This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome into the MVFC First and Gold podcast. I'm Kelly Burke. On this edition, I'm joined by the FCS Senior Editor at Stats, Craig Haley. Craig, uh, I know it's a busy week for you. How are you? Doing well. It's an exciting time, isn't it, Kelly? Yeah, very. Thank you for having me on. Very exciting. I'm happy to have you on. Well, Craig, before we delve further, you know, specifically into the Missouri Valley Conference um, and this week's playoff matchups, Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day role at Stats, especially this time of year. Sure. I mean, obviously, we're covering FCS you know, 24-7, but that's not all we do. We actually run one of the two major polls in the FCS, the media poll, and, and you know, it's very popular. Uh, right now, we're taking a break during the playoffs. We'll have our final poll afterwards. We also present the major awards in the division, the, the Walter Payton the Buck Buchanan, the Jerry Rice, the Eddie Robinson Awards. We've added uh, the Doris Robinson Award last year, which goes to the Scholar Athlete of the Year uh, in the FCS. So th- those are the major awards. We've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, Stats purchased the Sports Network uh, in February uh, 2014, excuse me, 2015, and uh, continued the coverage. And now we're in our 30th year with, with, with our awards. So it's, it's, it's a fun ride. I bet. So what will this Saturday in particular look like for you? You know, obviously this week it's, it helps a little bit because the games are at different times. Um, you know, but even going back to the first two rounds when there's multiple games going on or overlapping, I mean, are you, do you have multiple computers? Do you have TVs? How does it look in your kind of command center, so to say? (laughs) It's a great question. And you kind of have it pegged. Yes. I'm, I do have several computers going and, and I have games. Obviously, they're all online and, you know, different digital networks. And now, you know, ESPN3 when we get to the playoffs. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, two weeks ago in the first round, there were five games that started at 2 p.m. Eastern. So <laughs> that was a little crazy. But, uh, you know, in this in this day and age, you're, you're used to it. You know, you know, people know scores instantly. So, you know, you're, you're quickly writing a story and, and, you know, reproducing what happened. You know, this week, you're right, they're all separated, you know, one game Friday night and three on Saturday, so it's a little easier, but it's a crazy time, but, you know, you enjoy it. I mean, the FCS, we all love it. We all love They have this 2014 playoff, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun thing. You know, you have worked... And then you worked in the newspaper business for 22 years. Um, you mentioned, you know, previously the, the sports network before it changed over. Um, so you've had a number of jobs, a, a freelance writer as well. How did your passion specifically for FCS football begin? Well, believe it or not, I, I grew up on uh, Princeton University football, which, which is the Ivy League part of the FCS. My first game was 1975, so I've been around this for a long time. Uh, I worked for the Trenton Times newspaper, as you mentioned, for 22 years, and I was the beat writer for Princeton for 11 years. Okay. So, you know, I've been around F- FCS. I, I eventually uh, started doing some national work for Athlon Sports. You know, I, I predict their top 25, and, and now I do uh, 
work for their contributors network. But, you know, I, I moved into the role at the, uh, the sports network and have to continue it at stats. So I, I have a pretty good background in FCS and, and, and a passion for it. You know, one thing I talked about um, in November, I had MVFC commissioner Patty Viverito on and we really discussed the the parity in the league this year. Um, you know, and of course there were, there was a trend too towards um, just the success of the the underclassman quarterback in that league, especially this year. What were your impressions of the Missouri Valley this year in the regular season? Well, I, I, I'm a big proponent of the football there for sure. I mean, I've, I started saying early this year that there would be six possible six playoff teams for coming from the MVs, uh, FC and didn't quite happen. That would have been a first, but you know, it's it's great football. Uh, you're right. There are a lot of underclassmen at quarterback. Obviously, it starts with, with Taron Christian, you know, winning the offensive player of the year from from South Dakota State. So, it's it's the best football right now. It's the best conference. You know, prior to this, you know, the CAA had a big run, but you know, the M, uh, Missouri Valley has really taken charge. You know, behind North Dakota State's lead, obviously. But I think it's it's the best going, and obviously you have three teams in, in the quarterfinals. I mean, you're not going to do much better than that as a conference. So I think it's a great year, and, and you know, obviously North Dakota State's still the team to beat until somebody beats them. Well, speaking of North Dakota State, you know, one of the, the premier matchups this weekend is, is South Dakota State at North Dakota State. It's a, it's a rematch from the regular season, except in the quarterfinals now, and uh, South Dakota State came into the Frogo Dome and pulled the upset during the regular season. But, um, you know, I, I saw an interesting stat actually on your guys' site that the Bison are 18-0 and over the last decade at home in the playoffs. And so how difficult will it be, do you think, for South Dakota State to come into the Fargo Dome and win twice in the same season? Well, that's asking a lot, and, and you know, SDSU also went to, to the Northern Iowa and won there, and they're at home, so they've had a great year. Yeah, You have to give them a shot. I mean, it's going to, you know, I think uh, if, if Taron Christian can have the kind of game he, he did last time, I mean, he, he had his best rushing performance in that game, 140 yards, and then he threw for over 300 yards. So he really dominated, you know. So the Bison are going to have to not let him run wild and, and, and pick up those yards on scrambles because that changes everything. I, I think, you know, it's a close game. I do think the Bison are, are favored for being at home. I mean, obviously, that's that's all they do more or less is win at home. Um, you know, they're, they have a little motivation this week knowing they lost at home that uh, – you know, they need to prove themselves again. And that, that doesn't happen too often that they have to go out and prove themselves. So I think it's a back and forth kind of game, you know, probably not high scoring. I mean, it's going to be a battle of field position. You can't afford turnovers in, in the game. And, and, and Easton Stick is, is pretty good of, at limiting them for, for North Dakota State. So I think it's a close game. I, I do think, you know, North Dakota State deserves to be the, the slight favorite, even though they've lost at home to the Jackrabbits. If you had to make a case for the Jackrabbits, what would your case be for them winning that game? Well, certainly, yeah, Taron Christian's got to, you know, open up the, the run game. I mean, you know, uh, with, with his two receivers, Godart and uh, Wyneke, I mean, they're 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 the they're the best going more or less. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah Cooper Cup out there at, at Eastern Washington, but you know, they're they're going to put up numbers. I mean, obviously. Uh, 
North Dakota State had two senior corner cornerbacks last year that they had to replace. Now, the, you know, their replacements have had a whole season to, to be ready for this, but at the same time, you know, South Dakota State's going to try and, you know, take advantage of, of that. I, you know, I, I think North Dakota State's going to run the ball. South Dakota State, if they can run the ball themselves, that changes a lot because then you're not just one-dimensional with, with the pass. I, I think South Dakota State's going to have to play the kind of defense they did a, a week ago against Villanova. That was one of their better performances to only give up a, a, a touchdown to, to Villanova. So I think you know that's the case for South Dakota State. You know, play a similar game as last time. You know, when we started week one of the regular season, what were your thoughts on Youngstown State? And did you see them making this deep of a run in the playoffs? Well, yeah, I mean, I had them getting to a high level in recent years, and so did other people, and then they, they you know, disappointed a yeah. little bit. I didn't see them getting to be as good as they are right now. Uh, I think you can make the case that they're one of the most talented teams, not only in the conference, but the nation. And perhaps they didn't have the quarterback that, the, but now Hunter Wells is playing great at quarterback. Quarterback that they're just fabulous on both sides of the ball. I mean, they're they're running uh, offense is almost as good as, as a triple option team that they're playing in Wofford. I mean, the, the amount of yards that they're gaining, and and they have this tremendous defense. You know, obviously led by by Derek Rivers. I I think they're they're tremendous i mean i do think they're gonna win this week and and you know they've just had a fabulous season under bo Pelini. you just touched on it a little bit you know their opponent this week uh you know the triple option attack of wofford out of the southern conference uh break down that that matchup for us a little bit sure i mean when you play a triple option team it's very hard to prepare in one week I mean, you're not gonna really look ahead and start preparing for them, you know, prior to this week because you might not get to that point and you need to concentrate on the opponent in front of you. Now Wofford's in front of Youngstown State. It's hard to defend. You know, they they had a, their quarterback get hurt last week with an ankle injury. Joe Newman, a true freshman, came in and, and handled himself well in the second half. Where that stands, we'll see. I mean, you know, both teams, you know, a team like Wofford's not going to, tell you if, 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 you know, which quarterback they're going to go with. But at the same time, you have to be ready either way for the, you know, they're, they're going to spread you out. They're, they're going to make you go after the quarterback. Uh, and, and, but at the same time, have somebody else be disciplined against the pitch. I, you know, they're going to come up the middle with you with Lorenzo along their, their fullback. You know, a fullback in a triple option is actually the most, can be the most dangerous player. Um, I, I think Youngstown's seeing an offense they're not used to. I just think they're, they're, they've been strong enough against the run that they can get it done here. My conversation with Craig continues shortly, but if you're enjoying this edition of the MVFC First and Goal podcast, check out all of the Lineup Media Group podcasts featuring your favorite sports as well as non-sports podcasts too. Now back to the show. You know, what about surprises this postseason? What were some outcomes in the first two weeks that you weren't necessarily expecting to see? Well, the first round was obviously San Diego. They were the only road team to win, and they won Cal Poly, a team that had beat them by uh, 22 points in the first round. You have to give them credit. That was the first win ever for the Pioneer League in the playoffs. That was the biggest surprise there. At the same time, it's a very it was a very good San Diego team. You know, they went to the Fargo Dome. That, that was going to be asking a little too much. Yeah for them to go there and win. But second round, 
I didn't, you know, Youngstown, as we got closer to the game, I think that's when I started looking at it closer and I started thinking, wow, this team is very good. And sure enough, they went and beat the number three seed, Jacksonville State. You know, most people are going to say that's that's a huge upset. It wasn't a huge upset. You know, Wofford won at the Citadel, which was the Southern Conference champion, the Citadel. It was a little bit of a surprise because Wofford came out of their first game a little banged up to to go there and, and kind of dominate. That was, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. You know, it's great, obviously, for the, the Missouri Valley Conference to have three of their teams still left here now in the quarterfinals. But when you look at the big picture, you know, as a whole for the FCS, does it help or does it hurt the brand? No, I, I think people are, you know, are always asking. I think it's great that you have a a dynasty team like North Dakota State. And yes, it's going to end at some point. It could end this year, but, you know, they're also deep into the playoffs, so they have to be pleased with that. I think it brings attention. The casual fan out there that might not even be an FCS fan knows about North Dakota State because of what they've done for five straight years. And, I mean, you know, they have seven – the Bison have seven more wins wins than Alabama since the, the start of the 2011 season. That That's incredible that – I think it's kind of like the Yankees in baseball through the years. You know, you want you have that team that you're either rooting for or rooting against, and it brings attention. At the same time, there are teams out there, even though they haven't gotten it done in recent playoffs, that are quality teams that can win a national title. They just haven't beaten the dynasty. But I think it brings attention. I think it's great. You know, when you saw this year during the regular season that South Dakota State had upset North Dakota State at the Fargo Dome, what, what was your very initial reaction? Were you thinking, oh, I, you know, maybe the, the dynasty's over? You know, what was going through your head? Well, no. I mean, obviously South Dakota State won on last second touchdown. You know, up until that, in the fourth quarter, the, the Bison did pretty well of defending their, their turf. I mean, it didn't look like South Dakota State might get that touchdown, but they just got too many opportunities. I think it was four uh, possessions maybe in the fourth quarter, and they eventually broke through. But no, I, I don't think the you know, the, going into that game, the Bison had already beaten really quality teams. And as we know, Iowa, yeah. I didn't even drop them from number one in, um, in the top 25 poll on my ballot. Obviously, they dropped overall in the stats poll, but I, I, I've i kept them number one. I don't think the dynasty is over. I think they have a chance of losing here, of, of course. You know, the teams in the Valley know them best, and that's where those few losses have come from, more or less, is from the Valley. So, you know, you got to give South Dakota State a chance, but no, I don't think the dynasty is over quite yet. You know, in following North Dakota State so closely um, over, the you know, a bunch of years now, and getting to go to Frisco every year and seeing all these titles, you know, what's something you can really appreciate about that team and what they've been able to do? Well, I like that a week after they won a national title, they're, they're back in their weight room, not celebrating the win anymore, working hard. They're not allowed to wear any championship gear. They're, they're already working on the, on the next title. Now, at some point you want to, you know, smell the roses a little bit. I'm sure they do, but they focus hard on the next step. They don't just celebrate. So I, that's what I like about the Dakota State Bison. 
The Valley has turned out some great coaches, too, um, especially over the last couple of years. You know, Bubba Schweigert was formerly the defensive coordinator at, at Southern Illinois um, and, and now was the, the Big Sky Coach of the Year at UND this year. Uh, Phil Longo comes to mind, the offensive coordinator at Sam Houston State. Um, and they're they're producing just eye-popping numbers um, on the offensive end uh, for the Bearcats. Why do you think, you know, the, the, these guys have had so much success in other leagues? Well, I, I think that they learn a lot in the MD, uh, in Missouri Valley. At the same time, I, I think it's it's often overlooked in, in college football that, you know, the media focuses on the head coach. The fans focus on the head coach. You know, the other coaches are very intelligent people who studied and worked just as many hours as, as, as the head coach. They know their programs inside and out. They're giving ideas. They, they come up with ideas that don't get the credit, you know, half the time. So, no, I, I think a coaching staff is so important. And a good head coach is always relying on them as well, the assistants. So, I you know, if I'm another conference, I'm looking at assistance in the, the Missouri Valley as a potential head coach. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned it at the top of the show. You're also he- heavily involved with the FCS Specialty Awards, uh, like the Walter Payton, like the Buck Buchanan, um, the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year. You guys just named uh, the Jerry Rice Award, I, I believe, yesterday, um, which goes to the nation's top freshman. What does the process look like in deciding those from start to finish? Well, the, the same uh, the same voters for the top 25 poll are on the panel for the FCS awards. So, you know, you're talking over 150 people. you got a great cross-section from across the nation, all conferences. You know, we're talking writers, uh, radio broadcasters, you know, sports information directors. So we, we have a great cross-section. Um Throughout the year, I mean, I'm always in contact with the media relations uh, directors from, from the leagues, uh, you know, associate commissioner like Mike Hearn from the Missouri Valley, getting ideas who are the uh, best players in the conference. I mean, obviously we have an idea, but but the, the conferences are going to know their players best. That's how our, our watch list develop, and, and eventually we pare it down, you know, depending on what happens through the year. But but yeah, it's it's a kind of a year-long process. Uh, you know, people not may not realize that. Yeah, you know, going back to to all the years you've covered the FCS or you know previously one double A football as it was called, what has been your favorite moment so far? <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I do think um, I, I I love upsets. You know, they're always happening. Of course, I mean. Uh, you, you know, I don't really have a favorite team. People are going to, you know, accuse people, you know, fans are going to accuse people in the media about having a favorite team, but I root for people. You know, yeah. I, 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 I love this dynasty that North Dakota state has had. Um, at the same time, you know, if another team wins, I'm, I'm, it's not going to change my feeling towards it. I mean, it was there for, uh, Eastern Washington, you know, beat Delaware, you know, prior to, to, uh, the, the, the Bison run down in Frisco. So, you know, that was a tremendous game, a tremendous rally on Eastern Washington's part. They're, they're a program. I, I root for people. I root for programs. And, and, you know, if you have a good program, you, you generally have good people. You know, North Dakota State is obviously until somebody can beat them, 
the favorite, you know, to win it all again. But if, if you had to choose a sleeper team, I guess you could, I don't know if sleeper is the right word, but of the seven other teams that are left, um, who would it be? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm talking in glowing terms here about uh, Young State. I put them into the mix. I, I think um, it, it may have, uh, you know, it's, it's working out well for Eastern Washington to be on, on their home turf through the semifinals. You know, I, I've always been concerned about their defense coming up in a big spot. But they, the, the second half of the year, their defense has really um, turned it on. So I, you got to like them maybe getting there. <clears throat> if if you're going to beat the Bison, you know, you're, you're going to have to do it at the, at, the, uh, at the Fargo Dome. I'm not sure... Sam, you know, if if it's not South Dakota, I'm not sure Sam Houston could do it there. You know, considering their uh, recent results, you know, James Madison, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I think the toughest game for the Bison might be this one here uh, against South Dakota State. But you know, if you're talking dark horse, I'd probably say Youngstown State just because they're on the other side of the bracket. You know, the, the FCS, the playoff committee, they, they made changes this year, um, you know, to the to the brackets and how they approach the seating and stuff um, to make sure that teams from the same conference, you know, weren't meeting early, at least if they had if they had played in the regular season. Do you think from what you saw of the initial bracket this year, first round, are there any other glaring changes you feel like need to be made in the future? Well, uh you know, it's still it got better this year, obviously. Um, but I, I do feel geography and and you know the the costs of, of of travel should not be the ultimate concern uh, at all times. I mean, they did pair pair Cal Poly with San Diego, and they had played in the regular season. You're not really looking to do that as a committee. I learned that they did a pretty good job. You know. You know, if you have four teams from a conference and there were four conferences that had that situation, I think ideally you should go two two teams on one side of the bracket, two on the other. It didn't quite work out that way for all four conferences. I think, you know, there could be a slight improvement there, but they did a pretty good job. I mean, out of these first 20 playoff games, we're talking 10 first ever meetings between the teams. That's 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 you know pretty impressive uh, that it's worked that way. So definitely a better job this year. Just a little fine-tuning, perhaps. You know, finally, when you were talking to, to football counterparts that are way more familiar with, with the FBS level, and they're asking you, oh, well, you know, FCS playoffs or, you know, the, the current, you know, BCS, you know, FBS system, bowl game-wise, um, how they've changed it, you know, what would you choose? What would be your response and and make the case, obviously, for the way the the true playoff system is in the FCS. Well, I always laugh because on the FBS level, they call it the college football playoff singular, and it's only four teams. <laughs> Here in the FCS, you have the playoffs with 24 teams. That, that's a stark difference. You know, I think in many ways, the F, FBS level, they're, they're undecided what they want. I mean, four isn't enough. And but it's also become such a big deal to be in those fours that it's decreased the popularity and value of the other bowls. So I, I just think it's it's they're in a little bit of a transition for where they're headed. I think the SCS has it right. Twenty four is, is enough. You don't need to go more beyond that. You know, 
eight seeded teams get a bye. They they deserve it to kind of heal up in the first round for a week off. Uh, you know, I, I just think everybody, you know, 90% of the time people are going to say, okay, we like the FCS playoff over the F, what the FBS does, even people on the FBS level. But they're sort of in a transition of, of what they need to do, and that's probably a larger playoff. Do you do you see them ever going to that larger playoff? Just given you know the the current money involved in each bowl and the format that it is now, you know, I'm sure you'd have people up in arms about it. I do think that they'll probably double Kelly. I mean, going from four to eight at some point. I mean, you know, they're in their infancy with with, with the playoff, um, but you know, most people now they're they're focused on on those four teams. You know, eventually money's going to talk and, and they'll say, hey, we need to at least double this. So, yeah, I, I think down the line it'll change. We'll see how long it takes. Well, Craig, thank you uh, for taking the time to join me here today. Um, is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't talked about? Well, I, I hope it's, you know, a tremendous end to the playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, I wish the Valley well, just like I wish, you know, other conferences. I mean, Hey, you know, it worked out great that South Dakota State is playing North Dakota State. I mean, you know, I, I think it, it for South Dakota State, you know, they probably wish this was at least on a neutral field. I mean, to have to go there and win again. But yeah, I, I just hope they're great games. That's what I root for. And, and you know, it, the Valley is just fun to watch. Well, like what you heard from Craig Haley and our MVFC First and Gold podcast, check out the many other podcast offerings from Lineup Media Group, including one of their newest shows, the Blues NHL Podcast. Head to lineupmedia.fm for more info or to subscribe. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.